Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number six. Welcome to the Wet Podcast, episode number six. I'm your host, Eric Marshall. Uh, today's host is Jim Kukral, who uh, runs the Author Marketing Club, as well as uh, a lot of other things. Uh, his most recent book is called Go Direct, which uh, you'll find out how to how to order that, how to obtain that in the interview itself. Uh, Jim's a really nice guy. He's really great. He does a lot for the self-publishing community. Uh, along with other things, and he's a really dynamic guy, and I think you really enjoy this this um, interview. He's he's fantastic, so you're in you're in for a treat with this one. Um, we talk about the idea of going direct, uh, selling directly to customers. If you're a writer um, in particular, um, or any kind of creative person, really. So um, we talk about self publishing and uh, marketing and, and things like that. So uh, if you liked the episode, episode four, with the self-publishing podcast, guys, you'll like this one as well, for sure. And you can find the show notes for this at ericmarshall.net slash wet. Uh, this is episode number six, so just search for that. You'll find it. It's Jim Kukral, episode six, uh, at ericmarshall.net slash wet. You can find me at emarsh on Twitter. And if you're listening to this on iTunes, I have a special request for you. Uh, if you... If you could, it'll just take a minute, uh, go to iTunes and leave a review for the Wet Podcast. Uh, reviews help me uh, float to the top, maybe, of the iTunes heap, make me more findable, uh, things like that, so people can find this podcast. So I would really appreciate that if you could go to iTunes and just leave a review, click the stars, whatever it takes if you're listening on iTunes. If you're listening on Stitcher, you can do the same thing. Um, if you're just listening on the web on the little arrow thing, the little player on the website, that's fine. Uh, you can still go right on iTunes if you want or not. It doesn't really matter. You can leave comments as well if you like uh, at ericmarshall.net slash wet. Uh, without further ado, we'll just let's get into the interview. All right, good. So, uh, welcome to the Wet Podcast. I have with me Jim Kukral. Um, Jim, I know about you through the. Uh, I first heard of you uh, through the self-publishing podcast, um, maybe a year ago, maybe longer. I don't know. And I've been on your list for a long time. And you, you do the Author Marketing Club. So, um, could you talk just a little bit about what you kind of what you do now? And then I want to get into maybe how you got to where you are. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I uh, actually have been on this SPP a couple times at least, and it's been over a year. So, um, yeah, it's a fun podcast. Um, I am primarily a guy who runs a thing called the Author Marketing Club, um, and I do events and we do tools and training to help authors figure out how to market their books and sell more books and build a writing career from the post-writing side of it. You know, John and Shawnee, Johnny and Sean, those guys <laughs> tend to write a, or talk a lot about the writing process. We're, we're kind of like what happens after the writing process, all right? So we're more focused on the other end of it. 
So you're more um, what happens once the product is is there once you once you have yeah, a product I mean, to sell. Part of it is just you know there's a lot of people who teach you how to write better books and do all that kind of stuff, and we're more just focused on okay, you got the book, you know how are you going to use it to build a writing empire. That sounds perfect. Um, and how long have you been doing the Author Marketing Club? Uh, we're about four years now, so it hasn't been an overnight thing. We've we've been having the site go uh, for quite a bit of time. We've uh, helped a lot of people over those years, and we're continuing to add more and more uh, to the site as it goes, and we're going to expand out to events and other things, and we're growing and growing. So it's a labor of love. We really love seeing authors find success. <laughs> That's great. Um, I attended the Author Marketing Live event you did uh, a couple weeks ago. Thank you. And, uh, and yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. And that was the first live event you've done for this, right, for the Marketing it Club? Yeah, it went really well. Um, like you, everybody was there, so they had a great time at the event, and they learned a lot. And hopefully it got, uh, you know, got you thinking and made some changes, and you're doing some stuff to uh, improve uh, your authorship. Yeah, and I will definitely put links to the Author Marketing Club in the show notes, and if there's another event, I'll make sure I, I publicize that as well because it was really it was really great. Because um, I think it's important for people to see each other face to face and meet yeah. and network like that, right? Because writing is a otherwise very lonely business, or it can be. Well, yeah, I mean, the reason I did an in person one was the first one was because yeah, exactly that you can't make real connections with people through the internet. It just doesn't work, mm -hmm. even with stuff like this. I mean, yeah. there's there's a certain level of bonding you can have when you actually meet somebody face-to-face. -face. You know, you can share experiences and stories, and it just builds relationships at a higher level. Now, virtual events are great as well, and we're thinking about putting one of those together. But um, in-person events just take it to the whole next level. Yeah, I agree completely that being in-person really um, does something. I come from an academic background where conferences are kind of the thing you do. You know, it's kind of where people share their research and stuff like that. So I'm very used to conferences in a lot of ways. And, and you know, there are definitely positives and negatives to a lot of to, especially to academic conferences. But um, I think as far as what, what you put on, there were no, no negatives I could find. It was really great. So that's good. But there is something about being in the same room with people. Absolutely. So how did you uh, how did you get to where you are? What did you um, where did you where did you start? I guess. Well, I'm an 18 year overnight success, right? So I got out of college. I had the opportunity to take a job with a traditional advertising agency and make um, you know flyers and do desktop publishing because I was, you know, doing graphic design stuff. Or uh, I had an opportunity to start at this new internet company and agency. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, I took that job, which was a smart idea. So first day on the job, they handed me an HTML book, and they said, learn this. And I said, what's HTML? <laughs> Essentially, that's the code used behind building websites. So I started from scratch there, grew, um, grew that into big business, started my own business, uh, grew that into a big business, decided I didn't want to own big businesses anymore, <laughs> and um, started blogging in 2001. I'm giving you the Cliff Notes version. Mm -hmm. uh, for the last 12 years, I've been working on my own uh, as an entrepreneur, building my own businesses, doing consulting for clients, and now I run uh, online businesses like Author Marketing Club and Author Marketing Live. So, you know, it's been a long path to get where I wanted to get. Um, everyone seems to think that you get rich quick overnight. You know, and you build brand, and you build success overnight, and 
in a way you can sort of do that now. Not like when I first started before social media, before blogging, you know, it was easier to do than it was before the internet. But in the last three to four years, it's become even easier. And that's what I always tell people. It's like, you have an amazing opportunity in front of you right now to create content, to build a brand, to be successful online. If you just take the knowledge out of your head and put it onto the web in some type of form and teach people or instruct people or guide people or, you know, whatever it is that you can offer people. And so it's easier now than it ever was. And the excuses I don't buy from people who don't want to go out there and do a podcast like this or do a hangout or it's just it, the potentials there for everybody. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. It's, it's, all over the place, no matter what kind of content you're producing, yeah. whether it's music or fiction or nonfiction or increasingly uh, film and video, you know, I think that right. you can you can get your stuff in front of people if that's what you want to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have, uh, you know, friends with novels and drawers or hard drives that are just sitting there, and I'm like, get that out there, <laughs> you know? Let me, let me tell your friend a story. So I met... <laughs> Uh, a woman that had lunch last spring and um, she told me that her mother had been writing romance novels for the last 30 years and was never able to get a publisher because in the old traditional model you would send a, your novel to an agent the agent would then maybe pitch it to a publisher or you'd go direct to the publisher and then you'd get a rejection right and a very few people got through the gatekeeping process and she said to her mom, why don't we take these books and put them on Amazon now? Because anyone can do it and it's free. And her mom said, no way. I want to go the traditional route. You know, she was living this romantic dream of the way things had to be forever. So the daughter went in, grabbed a couple of the manuscripts out of her desk, had them typed up, <laughs> put them up on Kindle herself. Now, the mom was absolutely furious after she found out she did it. Flash forward uh, six months later. She makes more money now every month than she did a year at her job, has retired, and now just takes her backlog of her romance novels and uploads them and is um, building an entire career based upon the fact that she just had great romance novels. Isn't that wild? Yeah. It's amazing. And that, yeah, and even that's not a get-rich-quick uh, story. No, yeah. <laughs> that's 30 no, years of writing. 30 years of writing great books. Yeah. You know, she, had, she never had the opportunity, right? right? That's what it is. It's about the opportunity. And that's why I love the power of the internet. And that's why I love what Amazon gives you. You know, everyone wants, wants, everyone wants to argue about this traditional versus self publishing thing. The difference is very clear to me. In the traditional model, not everyone has an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. In the self publishing model, everyone has an opportunity. So if you can write good things and you want to hustle and work hard and, and put your stuff out there, you have a chance. And that's what's alluring about it. You know, the old model is fine. They can keep that model. But a tiny, <laughs> tiny percentage of people get through that. And, and right. you should be encouraged. If you can write great stories or write problem-solving nonfiction, you should be encouraged by the fact that you now have a chance at being successful when before you didn't. And I love how the traditional publishers... And the people who are on that side of the mar market always say, well, everyone had a chance. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. Look at every uh, Jack Canfield Chicken Soup for the Soul was rejected how many times mm -hmm. by 
uh, traditional publishers, right? You know, I mean, you're going to see this happen over and over. I don't want to make this a whole show about the, the difference between that. But the truth right. is that opportunity is really what this is about. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think there's a place for tra- traditional publishing still. Um, sure. It And uh, I think there are still reasons that someone might go traditional. Uh, I think those reasons are diminishing uh, to a large extent. But if you want, if you really want to get something out there in front of eyeballs and for sale, even you can do it. I, and that's that's the bottom my, line. There's a guy in my Twitter feed last week who said, "Oh, I'm so happy I just signed my first book contract mm-hmm. with uh, this this big publisher." And I said, "Oh, you know, that's great. Really, congratulations." The next tweet was, "Yeah, the book will be out in a year and a half." Mm-hmm. And I yeah. said, are you kidding me? Why a year and a half? Well, that's the production schedule that I committed to with them and they're okay with. I go, you're going to, a year and a half, write the thing in the next three months and demand that they put it out immediately. Yeah. That's you get eight- a year and a half to have a book come out? You're crazy. <laughs> that's 18 months you could be selling oh, that thing. God, you should write five books in that, in that <laughs> amount of time. Right. <laughs> I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm not closing the door on that forever on the traditional thing myself. Although I, I don't have any plans to go traditional whatsoever, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna just, you know, say that I'll never do it. Cause I think, I think there might be reasons, but yeah, I, it, it's, it's, it's an antiquated system. Yeah, that is having a lot of trouble keeping up with, with the rapid pace and change of the, uh, of the internet, which has been. Uh, you know, greatly accelerated by Amazon. You mentioned Amazon earlier, and Amazon's not the only player in the in the game, but Amazon's the big one, right? Amazon, I think, is what what changed things maybe three, four years ago. Yeah, Amazon's definitely the biggest player right now. I, you know, look, I like Amazon. Um, the opportunity's great. I wish they had competitors that would really step in and compete with them. I've said uh, for years now that Google could instantly compete with Amazon, instantly. Mm-hmm. All they have to do is have a system. They have the Google Play or Google Book system, which is horrible. Yeah. It's, it's, it, there's no benefit to doing it. You're not selling any books there. It's a horrible way to upload books. All they have to do is put a KDP-type system in where people could easily upload their book, right? build a, a directory. And, and by the way, here's the key. Whenever anyone goes and searches for that topic or that book, Amazon or Google could have an immediate lift right over Amazon because they could inject the book results right into the organic search stream. Yeah. That would be their huge competitive advantage. Put it in Google, Google Books, and you'll have a chance of showing up when someone searches for, you know, Roman architecture. You know, <laughs> we may feature your book, right? Yeah. Because it's in our store. And they could compete overnight. And competition is good. Look at every cable company or cell phone company, right? The prices go down. The consumers win at the end with competition. Yeah. And that's why I want more competition with Amazon. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're doing a, they're doing a pretty good job, but yeah, they could, they could benefit for some. And with Google too, now that you mention it, so many people have Android devices yes. and, and you can read on those. That would be, you know, you do a Google search from your Android device. It can go right into play store. Bam. There's your book. Right. Right. And that's the and I I've always said that that's the key to e reading is that you know, you ever see the movie Willy Wonka, right? The original mm-hmm. one. 
So when he shrinks the kid at the end in the Wonka vision, and it, all those <laughs> particles go up above the head, and then it arrives. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what the E distribution is, what they call that side-loading <laughs> thing. You know, when you click a button on a Kindle and Amazon, you buy, that book magically appears over your head. Here's my head. And then it goes <laughs> right into your device, right? And that's what makes it so attractive. But you have to have the Kindle app, right? So now what you're seeing on the other side is right now iOS 8 just came out for Mac, and it's going to be preloaded into Apple products. So this is huge because now you have an e-reader inherently built right into the application that millions and millions of people have. So Apple's going to be able to compete with Amazon now on a higher level because now they don't have to download an app and register and do all this stuff. All they got to do is click a button, find a book, and it just magically delivers to them, right? Yeah. Yeah, and the icon's sitting right on your home screen when you buy your phone. You press the button, you search for a book, right? Yeah, I think that will give them uh, definitely a competitive edge for sure, uh, which is which is great, right? Because like you said, more competition is good. Right. I think a lot of independent authors have a kind of healthy skepticism about Amazon. While everybody, I think everybody agrees that Amazon is kind of the the big player and and has really changed the way we we write books, publish books, and, and purchase books. And um, I was talking to when I was talking to the self publishing guys back in episode four, I mentioned something about Amazon was the first to help break down the gatekeeping system, right? Because you have these gatekeepers in traditional who, who allow you or not allow you to publish, right? They tell you whether or not you can, right? And they kind of broke that down. But I think a lot of people are beginning to see Amazon um, not necessarily as a gatekeeper, but as they're definitely a middleman and maybe an, un, an increasingly unnecessary middleman. I think a lot of people are leery of putting all their eggs in the Amazon basket while at the same time realizing that Amazon is helping them sell a lot of books and make a lot of money, right? Well, they're necessary because they have the eyeballs. They have the traffic. That's where people go to find the stuff, right? Yeah. And that's the only reason they're necessary, right? You can sell direct on uh, your, your content, whether it's a book or music or art or whatever. You can use the power of the Internet. And, and frankly, Amazon technically was the first bookstore. But um, any, people, since the dawn of the Internet, if you could create a website, you had the ability to, to directly release content. You know, another example of the gatekeeping was um, television producers and radio show producers and newspapers, right? You know, since Gutenberg invented the printing press, these guys have been the middleman gatekeepers of everything. And if you wanted to get an article in a, in a newspaper, you had to go through a newsroom editor, right? Mm -hmm. and, do all these things. and then when the Internet came along, especially blogging, you saw all kinds of niche topic-focused blogs and, and material appearing out there, and anyone could create content. So you're kind of seeing the same thing happening here just with books. So Amazon did revolutionize the fact that you can now get a book in an e-reader format, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, but... Does it change the fact that long term, the best solution for an author is to build your own platform and right. sell direct to your readers? Yeah. Right? Yep. And that was the segue I was going for <laughs> right there. <laughs> so you, your latest book yes. is, called go, is called Go Direct. He's got it right there. Um, you've got it in print and ebook. And, uh, Talk, so let's talk about the book itself, and then I want to talk about how you're selling it. Okay. Well, so, Go Direct is book really a book about 
uh, figuring out how to remove the gatekeepers and go around the and the middlemen and go around the gatekeepers. Okay, you know we all know the answer, which is it's much better to sell directly to a customer than go through a middleman, right? Obviously, you don't have to pay the middleman their money, right? You're building a direct relationship with a customer. Um, you can do that now using the power of the internet. Anyone can go on, build a blog a simple web page and say, hey, I have something that you want, whether it's music or a book or art, any type of content, and here, here's an easy way for you to give me money for what I want. I don't need to go through all these other intermediaries, right? You still need stuff like PayPal and merchant mm -hmm. accounts and stuff like that because, you know, you have to be able to process a transaction, right? right. I mean, you're not going to someone's front door and taking a check, right? <laughs> or uh, ha them handing you cash. The internet, you still have this middleman in terms of gateways and, and money and things like that. But that's just the cost of doing business. You're never going to eliminate PayPal because who's got $300 million to start their own PayPal, right? right. So they're always going to be those kind of middlemen in between. But gatekeepers, gatekeepers are the people who inject themselves in between that process and they, and they don't provide value, Right. If they're not providing superior value for what they're bringing, um, then then they're a waste of time. Now, Amazon Amazon is a middleman, um, but they're not a gatekeeper because Amazon will let you put content up there without discrimination. You know, obviously they have certain rules. You know, they're not going to allow certain types of content on their network, which right. makes total sense. Okay, certain kinds of really outrageous content. And but right now they have the they have the ability for you to get your book out there to the world. Now, what Amazon doesn't do, and this is very key, is Amazon doesn't share customer data with you. So okay. they may sell your book, but you have no idea who bought it. They're not giving you their email address, IP address, demographics, nothing. They're just saying somebody bought your book. Now, when you start thinking about being an authorpreneur, right, an author who's running a business, you have to start saying to yourself, that's not a good business decision to let somebody else sell my stuff and I don't get access to my customers. Because one of the things you realize being in sales and marketing for years, which I have been, is that it's much easier to sell to your existing customers than it is to try and find new customers. So this age-old question, building your platform because you want to be able to market to those people over and over again. And that's how you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur moving forward. And that's why you're building a direct connection with your audience makes way more sense than going through a middleman. You're right. I think that if, if you don't have control over or at least knowledge of who's buying your, your merchandise, basically, you don't have the opportunity to sell directly to them again or to market to them again. Right, you just have to hope that Amazon, in this case, is telling them that you have a new book out and all that. And we know that that doesn't really happen that well, right? So that's unacceptable, right? And the other thing I think too is um, with Amazon. With I mean, I don't know if all of my listeners know this, but if you price your book between two ninety nine and nine ninety nine, you get seventy percent of that, which is which is really good by publishing standards. Uh, but that could change tomorrow, right? Right. Yeah, uh, they, they, you know, there's no contract. You don't, you're not locked in. They can change it. They can change it tomorrow. Um, so there are a lot of reasons to, to go direct, right? Uh, so you've written this book, kind of telling people how to do that, why to do that, and how to do that, right? That's exactly why. You know, um, I see the future, and the future is direct uh, consumer to consumer, 
marketing, right? I mean, this is this is what every author, in my opinion, needs to do moving forward. Um, I forget who said it. Uh, you know, the author with the biggest email list wins. I mean, right. That's actually what it's going to come down to. Let me give you an example. J.K. Rowling, one of the most successful authors of all time now, right? Um, J.K. Rowling got so big that she didn't need Amazon anymore, right? So a lot of people don't realize this. Her, uh, they never released digital versions of any of the Harry Potter books because she owned the rights to them, mm-hmm. not the publisher. So after the series was done, she said, you know what? I think I'm just going to release all the, the, e- the digital versions of the book. But guess what? I'm not going to do it through Amazon. You're going to have to come to my website or Pottermore or something like that mm-hmm. and register with me, and I'll sell it to you directly. Right now, think about how brilliant that is. Yeah, he was able to get millions and millions of fans to come and register in her system, and get the emails of these people, where Amazon had been safeguarding these forever from her. Right, and Barnes and Noble and all of these places. She mm-hmm. went and got all of her customers, made more money, got all of her customers on her list. She's going to turn a billion dollars into three billion dollars <laughs> because now she's going to be able to email. I mean, think about the power of this. Imagine having five million of your fans on an email list and you, you wake up one morning and you go, you know what? I think I'll release this short story I wrote last week. Um, I'm going to release it for 99 cents just to my fans. And you, you log into your email thing, you hit a <laughs> button that says, hey, my latest book's available for 99 cents. You hit send out to five million people. And, and you know, let's say 50% of those people buy it. You just yeah. made $2.5 million. Yeah. And that's 5 million people who have already bought your stuff. And, and, they're, and they're true raving fans, right? And that's yeah. another thing we talk about in the book. The definition of a true fan is somebody who will buy everything you have. They have every album you've ever owned, but they'll buy the box set because they just have to have it. They, right. they will drive six hours to come see you sign books just because they have to meet you. Right, you may release a, a mix of your your album, and they got to have that. A true fan is somebody who's going to buy everything, follow everything you do, and they want to be part of your existence. And when you have those people, you have a business forever. And that's what the right. thousand true fans thing. And I didn't come up with that; it's somebody else came up with it. But if you have a thousand true fans as an artist, as a content creator, you can build an entire career off of that. So having those thousand people who support you constantly. Is going to get you referrals. They're going to tell everyone in the world about it. Oh my gosh, my favorite new author just released a new book, and you're not even going to have to ask them to do it. They're going to buy a copy of it. They're going to share it with everybody. They're going to write a blog post about it. They're going to they're going to put a video about it. They're going to do all of this stuff, and you're not going to even have to ask them to do it. And that's what's going to propel you, right? What would you rather have? A thousand true fans, or spend a million dollars in advertising, right? You'd rather have. <laughs> The people who just promote stuff for you. And, but that only happens when you create truly remarkable content. I always said if you want to be remarkable, you have to do something remarkable. right? Mm-hmm. So writing this lame cookbook that you got written from some virtual assistant that you put up <laughs> on Amazon you know, is not remarkable. right? It was something that you just kind of threw up there because you thought you were going to get rich quick with. But writing a truly amazing nonfiction book that's going to help people or a fiction story that people are like, wow, this was an amazing, well-written story. That's how you get true fans. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about not to say anything bad about cookbooks, but yeah, no. you're talking about right. There's a know. whole a proponent of people <laughs> out there who create, you know, quick uh, cookbooks, right? Just because right. they're easy yeah. to they're easy to to steal content from the web from and create a cook re, put a recipe in and put it up on Kindle and people download cookbooks they love cookbooks yeah I mean but that's not a business model that's a right. that's not a content creation it's just a model of let's regurgitate a bunch of content and put a face on it and hope to make money from it which is in the end of the day that's not what people want right right and you're not gonna get the true fans doing that and no. it's not gonna it's not gonna be sustainable. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree completely. I think that in the beginning of what they call the Amazon gold rush, people were doing that, right? Uh, just well, they're kind still of, doing that. They're still doing it? <laughs> they're still doing it. There's, I, I subscribe to all of those products that uh, teach you how to get rich overnight with Kindle because I, I, I buy them. I look at them. Oh, and you I do? Teaching people. Yeah, I, it's, it's part of my business. I need to know what people are doing. Oh. Uh, I subscribe to those products. I read every pitch that they send, and I, you know, they make money with it. And you know why they make money? Because they teach people that they're trying to tell people that it's get rich quick, right? You don't have to really work. I love the one I got the other week, which was, you don't even have to write your book anymore, right? <laughs> we're going to teach you how to find the top category keywords that people search on Amazon, and we're also going to teach you how you don't even have to write the book anymore. You just outsource people who write the book for you. They give you back the content, and then you just upload it to Amazon. Like all you had to do was just like outsource it, put a title on it, and upload it to Amazon, and you make like fourteen thousand dollars at home overnight in your underwear. Right? Oh, wow. Yeah, but you know the human mind, and I don't blame humans. This is how we are. We're like that's great. I want to. Who doesn't want to uh, get rich without work? Right. Right. And so every time you hear that instant success or any of that kind of stuff, um, you're going to want to just be a little suspicious. Yeah, and I definitely am. I, I didn't. That's funny that you uh, buy those and look at them just to see what people are doing. I, I was under the impression that, that, that people weren't advising that anymore, doing that anymore, but I, I, oh, <laughs> I, over, I, over, I overestimate people. <laughs> The, the, the problem is the business model is not sustainable because of this reason. And that is that, and this is the big thing that everybody always talks about with the Kindle get rich quick stuff that they always freak out about. Well, there's so much crap on there. Well, guess what? The crap will mm -hmm. never sustain. And here's why. Because the readers are the new gatekeepers, right? So if you put up something junky, that is not helpful, is not entertaining, it will not get reviews, it will not get shared, it will not get bought, it'll get panned, right? The, the, this is the way things work now. Let me give you a great example, okay? Hollywood movies function, function under this launch um, process where they, have, they release a trailer, right? So your def definition of success for a Hollywood movie is based upon, still, how much you do on your opening weekend, okay? So before social media, right, you could do a really great job of releasing your trailers and getting the word out on television and everything, and people would go and they'd see a movie, and the movie, if the movie was bad, it would still do well. But guess what happened, right? If the movie's bad now, the first thing people do is go to social media and go, man, I yeah. went to go see blank, and it stunk. Yeah. Right? 
And then 30, 300 blogs write an article about how bad it stunk. Yep. And this. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, you're saying to yourself, well, I was going to go see that movie, but now I'm not. Right. Okay? And that's exactly what's happening in terms of any type of content, whether it's a movie or music or whatever. The reader is in control now. And this is what the traditional publishers don't understand because they've always been in the business of paper, right? They've been in the business of how thick can we make the book so we can make as much uh, a profit from it and margins from it as possible. Right. And content is really what the business is. And if you're not creating truly remarkable content, it's never going to get shared, it's never going to get reviewed, or it's going to get panned, and, and it's never going to move to the place where it needs to move. So that model is not sustainable long-term because of those reasons. Right. I mean, it's a model of scarcity. The, the traditional publishing model is a model of scarcity because you only have so much paper, you only have so much space on a shelf, right? And, um, you know, you only have so many customers, I guess, but it's all, it's all built on scarcity. So that's why they have gatekeepers and that's why they, you know, they're trying to extract as much profit as possible, but that's gone now. There's no scarcity. Once you upload your ebook, it can be downloaded infinite number of times. Yeah. So, right. I so. mean, again, traditional publishing is not going away. Right. Print books aren't going away. No one's arguing that. Just the model of how it all works is, is going away. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, let's talk about how your how you how you've published Go Direct. Like you're kind of you're practicing what you preach in a way, right? Yeah, so basically what I did with GoDirect is you can go to the website, godirectbook.com, and you have an option. You can grab the book for free, or you can give me what I suggest the price at for $2.99. And um, I did it during the launch phase. I did a pre-order. So I said, and, and what I found was over 75% of the people who pre-ordered the book paid the suggested price or more. Mm-hmm. Right? And only like about 25% of the people actually got the book for free, which okay. was astounding to me, right? Yeah. So, and, and content creators all over the world are like, this, Jim, I work really hard on my content. Now you just want me to change my mind and just start giving it away to people? Well, mm. guess what? This is the way, this is the new model, right? This is, this is in a sea of so much competition and things out there. If you can get somebody in, and if you think your work's good enough, you know, I'll give you a copy of my book for free. Because guess what? The next one that I'm going to have you now on my mailing list, I can mm-hmm. sell to you if you like my first one. If my first book was junk, of course, I wasted my time getting you on my email list. Okay? Because you're not going to buy my second book. Right. The consumers nowadays are looking for choices and options. They've got more... You don't... By the way... There are so many free books on Amazon right now that you could go and download 300 books, 3,000 books a day, and you'll never read them all. You could just right. download, download, download because there's so many free giveaways on there, right? So people download a book, and then they probably never get to it because they got 300 books in their Kindle or their, or their tablet or whatever, and they never get to it. So if you're selling directly, at least you're getting the email address, Right, you know that that person bought. So that's what I did, and I continue to do that. You can still go it. Now I also did put the book recently up at Amazon, and mm-hmm. and, and why not? Right, yeah. it's a way to get the eyeballs out to other people. Right, so people could still come to my site and get it for free, 
or they can go on Amazon and grab it if they want to grab a copy of it. But it's still a good distribution method for reaching new people, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Amazon is, you know, Google's the top search engine. I think YouTube and Amazon are two and three, but I can't remember which one's first. But Amazon's one of the top three search engines out there. You know, people forget that because that's basically, it's a, it's a search engine with a database full of products that people want to buy because people search, you know, wanting to buy stuff, right? Uh, so, yeah, it makes sense that you would put it up there as well. Because uh, you know, it doesn't mean what you're not saying that you should go direct and go only go direct, right? You're saying sure. give the give them a choice. Look, and I read about this in the book. Is that's exactly right? It's the choice. Okay, consumers, readers, music lovers, whatever, they they want the option, right? It's not about how you want to deliver your content anymore. It's about how they want it. They want it instant. Right? That's the first one. They want it instant. They want it easy. Mm-hmm. And they'll pay for it if they want it. Netflix is a great example yeah. right? of all of those things. People want instant access. They want to watch it when they want to watch it. As many as fat, if they want to binge watch the entire series, they're going to want to do that. And they got no problem paying for it as long as it's good and they can get it fast and easy. And yep. the world we live in now that's your new consumer, right? Yeah. That is a person. This is the model that people want. I want it instantly. I want it fast. I want it easily delivered to me in the way that I want it on my device, not how you tell me anymore, not on TV with commercials, not, a, not on this device, not with this plug-in, not with this app, right? I want it how I want it. And guess what? If you're not going to give it to me the way I want it, I'm going to find a way to go around you and just get it for free whether I'm going to go to right. a torrent site and download your music, whether I'm going to go to this app online where I can just grab it for free, right? So once you get over that fact that people, once you understand the fact that that's how people want it and you give it to them that way, more than often, they're more than likely to give you the money that you want for it. I think it goes back to the true fan thing as well. If you have those true fans, people want to support you. They want to pay for your content, especially if they find your content valuable. And who cares about... Stop worrying about the thieves, right? It's mm-hmm. a digital product. Who cares? If, <laughs> who cares if a hundred or a thousand people went out and grabbed your book and read it for free? Who cares? I don't care about those people. Those are people who would have never bought from me because they just want free stuff. Yeah. Those aren't true fans. I hope, they, yeah, I hope at least read it, <laughs> right? Well, read it. Fine, read it. Leave her. <laughs> but, but I'm not yeah. worried about those people at all. I could care less. Yeah. Go ahead and steal it. Take it. Yeah. Do whatever you want with it. I'm worried about the people who are going to come back and help me build a business. All you freebie people right. who want to steal stuff, fine. Go ahead and take it. And that's why I make I give them the option. What do you want? You want it for free? Here, take it for free. At yeah, least I'm going to get your email address. Right. You just put it up front. Yeah, that's that's a really that's a really good point. I don't know if you remember. Oh, gosh. must have been maybe eight years ago. ago uh, Radiohead. Gave away the uh, was it was it in rainbows I think for free, and they found they had people download it directly and you could pay what you want, right. and I think most people took it for free, uh, but 
of the pe- I can't remember the exact numbers, but of the people who paid, I think the average was was somewhere around like what a CD costs, like ten or twelve bucks. If you average in the freeze, like the people who took it for free, I think the average they got was six or seven dollars. But they got all of it because they were selling it directly, not through a record company. So they actually, even though they gave so many copies away for free, they made more money on that album than they had on any album before that. Right. And the other thing we talk about in the book is the the patronage system. Okay. Mm-hmm. So thousands of years ago, right? If you wanted to be an artist, like, I'll give you an example. Uh, Shakespeare. Okay. Shakespeare um, would never have created all the amazing works that he created if he didn't have a patron, who was the Queen of England. Right. Right. You know. So um, patrons. That's how artists used to work. Content creators used to work. Musicians, authors, playwrights, whatever, sculptors. Right. They would get patrons, and they'd be usually wealthy people in a in a in a community who would say, "I'm going to support you while you create art because I'm a big fan of art." Right. And you think about today's model, and you think about those thousand true fans, and why can't you reach out to a group, a crowdsourced group of those thousand people and say to them, hey, I'm releasing a new music video every two weeks. Would you like to be my patron? I'm All I'm asking for is you to give me a dollar or $5 or $10 every time I release a new music video. I'm going to give it away. I'm going to put it out there. If you enjoy what I do, you can be one of my patrons. That's why I talk about patron, um, Patreon in the site, patreon.com, which is this great new website started by Jack Conte, one of the guys from the band Pomplamoose, who basically built an entire career off of YouTube videos, right? And just using the power of the internet to get everything out there. And, and Patreon's an amazing site because now I can have fans and come in and say, oh, look, I'm creating this video series every month or I'm writing a new book every six months and you can just be a patron. You don't have to pay 15 bucks. Maybe you just want to give me a dollar. Now imagine 10,000 people giving you a dollar each. If you're an artist, right? or a musician, or a content creator of any kind. Now imagine getting $10,000 every month when you release a new piece of art or a new piece of <laughs> from 10,000 people. I mean, yeah. that's a business model. And that, that's much better than trying to sell advertisements, right? Um, that's your fans just wanting to be part of what you do. That's why I love the patronage model. It's not crowdfunding. It's people supporting the work that you put out there. And I firmly believe that that is a model that a lot of authors can go through. If you write serials, right? Mm. Why not create a Patreon campaign and say, all right, every week for the next 16 weeks, I'm going to release a new uh, 10,000-word update to the serial story that I've written. You make the first one free, you get people hooked in, you drive people to your Patreon page, Mm -hmm. and then uh, you keep building and building and building and building. And then all of a sudden, you've got all these people giving you money, and every time you release a new addition to your serial, you make $5,000, right? So it doesn't always have to be about direct sales specifically. It can be about your patrons supporting you. And that's a very important topic that I think is going to change things for a lot of authors moving forward. Yeah, I think so too. I I, uh, I really like that model too because it's it goes back to I, I think you're familiar with the Amanda Palmer TED Talk where she yeah, talks the about art of asking. She I, right. I write about her in the book, which is the the whole right. thing of asking for support. We as artists, where did we get away from this whole thing where it wasn't okay to pass the hat around the room? I mean, that's how artists made their money before. If you didn't have a patron, 
you got up on stage or you're out on a street corner and you put the thing down and say, hey, I'm an artist, I need to be supported. And the whole world um, got into this mindset that, oh, those are just bums looking to get rich quick. You know? <laughs> it's, it's not. Yeah. You're an artist, you're out there. You should be able to ask people who love what you do, whether it's music or graphics or videos or whatever. There's nothing wrong with asking people mm-hmm. that help support you. But you have to change your mindset. Yeah, I've always had a big problem asking for anything, right. <laughs> to be honest with you. In fact, when I, I was talking to uh, uh, Johnny and Sean at the event in the hallway, we were talking about you and how good you are at, at kind of the uh, – we, 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 we use the word hustle, but not in a negative way, right? The, like you can get things together. You can ask people for things. You know how to you know, like do that, and it's really admirable. But I think you're right that in this day and age, you have to be able to ask for things. You know, Even asking to be on the podcast is like, Ugh, I don't, you know, it's just like this – you know, I have to get over that, obviously. My entire career of success that I've had, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not super rich, crazy guy. I have a moderate, moderate life. I drive an old beater car. You know, money is not <laughs> important to me. Um, my entire career of reaching the point where I'm very happy in my career and my success is based upon asking, mm. based upon seeing, sending an email or calling someone or saying, "Hey, can I do this?" or "Can you help me with this?" And yeah, sometimes you look full, and, and that's the biggest problem with it, is that some people, they're like, well, I don't want to look like the guy who's begging, or I don't want to look like the guy right. who's foolish. If, you know, I will send an email to Richard Branson. I'll send an email <laughs> to President Obama, right? And I'll say, hey, I'm doing a conference, and I want you to speak. I may never get a response, or I right. may get no, but guess what? I sent the email, or I contacted the person. Yeah. And you have to have that mindset if you want to be successful nowadays online. The leaders are the people who set up podcasts like this and ask people to do. That's why I do every single one of these people ask me. I do. I don't care if you have have one follower, one listener. I I asked people when I was just starting out, and, and some big people did that for me, and some people told me no. And I'll do it for anyone because anyone who takes the initiative now every, I'm going to get a million requests. <laughs> right. Anyone takes the initiative to go out there and improve themselves and build a business, then mm-hmm. I think that you're, you're a leader and you have an opportunity to be successful. If you just get off your butt, create something, and try to go out there and improve what you're trying to do, uh, improve your career, your business, your life, you have an opportunity. And I love people who take those opportunities. Yeah. You know, I was, um, are you familiar with James Altucher? You know that guy? So he, he was uh, doing one of his Ask Altusher podcasts one day, and he said that he heard somebody who was thinking about doing something, thinking about doing a podcast. And he said, if somebody's thinking about doing it, they're never going to do it. And I was like, I've been thinking about this podcast for almost a year. I sat down that day and I started writing emails. Yep. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about it. I'm going to do it. And I'm amazed at how many people just said yes. You know, or people I thought maybe I was like infringing their time or looking foolish or like, who is this? No, I mean, the, the interviews I've done thus far have all been people that I really respect and I, I'm so glad they said yes. And then if I hadn't asked, it wouldn't have happened. Yep. You know, I, I do this thing called the 13 reasons you're not as successful as you should be, right? Um, and one of the reasons in that is you think too much, you have this paralysis by analysis, right? You know, I've yeah. done it. And by the way, that's that's me, right? The reason I wrote one of those reasons is because every one of those things happened to me, and that's one of them. You know, I'll give you a good example. 
I wanted to start this coaching business like seven years ago to help people, consulting, coaching type of thing. But I waited six months to do it because I couldn't figure out what price point I wanted to have it at. Uh. I finally got on the phone with a contemporary of mine, and I said, well, I can't decide what price point. And they're like, well, just put something out there and see what happens. I'm like, oh, no, it's got to be perfect. I have to figure out what if it... And they're like, what is wrong with you? Put a price on it. Put it out into the marketplace. If people tell you the price sucks, fix the price. But don't <laughs> sit around and think about it for six months. And it was a very valuable lesson, yeah. right? Get out there. The, by the way, I've had way more failures than successes over my 18-year mm-hmm. career. And a lot of them, I look pretty stupid and silly. <laughs> and right. people are like, what the hell is Jim doing, right? <laughs> Why would he do that? That's pretty dumb. And they didn't work out, but I just kept trying, right? So you have to adopt that mindset of stopping thinking and moving forward and leading. And you may say to yourself, I'm not a leader, Jim. I'm a follower. Well, guess what? That's fine. But if you want to be successful and build a brand and, and be out there, you've got to lead, which means taking the initiative and asking. And until you get that into your mindset, you're always going to be stuck with this, which is my quote. I say, doers get what they want and everyone else gets what they get, okay? Mm. So doers are the people who get what they want. Look at every happy person you see in your life, and you'll see uh, who's successful with their business or life or love or career. They go out there, and they apply themselves to make things happen. Uh, If you're at a job, um, and you're just taking what they give you, and you hate your job, well, that's on you because you're just taking what they give you. They're giving you what you're willing to get. Now, if you want to be a doer, you can lead. You can go out there and make your dreams come true, right? And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be get rich quick, and it's going to take a ton of work. But then stop complaining, right? (laughs) You're sitting there, and you're taking what people give you. That's what you've decided, right? There's my motivational talk for the podcast. (laughs) That's great. I appreciate that. I'm amazed at how, um, maybe maybe it's unconscious on my part, how that is the message that has resonated with a lot of the people I've talked to so far. So maybe it's just the people I'm asking, (laughs) but different, you know. The people you're talking to are the people who who are doing it. Right. right? They know, they've they've gotten over that. They've learned that that's what it takes. So yeah. that, again, that's why I love doing these things with people who are putting the initiative in, because they're on that they're on that journey to finding the success that they always wanted, you know. So go out there and try it. Just if you're not if you're if you're not successful, and you're not successful because you because you didn't do anything, then it's totally on you. Yeah. But if if you're not successful because things just didn't work out, just keep trying. And I think. You have to be able to be one of those people who's going to keep trying. If you don't want to be that, then that's fine. But just realize you're going to get what people get, give you for the rest of your life. And that's fine. Some people are okay with that. i got no problem with people like that either. Just not. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there's when someone tries something and fails, that's one thing. But if someone never tries, you know... Yeah, I mean, I'm not getting any younger. You're not getting any younger. You just had a birthday. Oh. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, you know, I mean, when I get to the end and I'm looking back, I don't want to be like, oh, look at all those things I didn't do, all those things I wanted to do and didn't try. Well, it's right? never been easier, and that's that's the hard part yeah. for me right now when people tell me they can't do it. It's never been cheaper. The technology's never been easier. 
It's never been easier to connect with people around the globe through, through technology with low costs and without having to spend money. Before the Internet, to start a business would take 10, 20, 30 years to build a brand and millions and millions of dollars yeah. to, to yeah. promote yourself out there. I can literally go right now, walk into a room of people, and say, what do you know a lot about? Okay, well, guess what? You are an organic chef. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Let's spend the next six hours, and you're going to give me your top six organic chef recipes, right? <laughs> and then you're going to tell me, you're also going to teach me what I need to know if I want to learn how to be an organic chef, okay? And I'm going to film you, and you're going to get in the kitchen. You're going to show me a 10-part step of, of what you did to learn how to become an organic chef. Then I'm going to take all that information, and I'm going to go to my website, and I'm going to put a course up, or I'm going to go to udemy.com, and I'm going to create an online course for 50 bucks. And then guess here's the difference. So we spent 24 hours creating content, right? Then I'm going to go to social media, and I'm going to start going out to people and say, hey, did you ever want to be an organic chef? We've got a course for you. I can do that in an in, in hour, or I can do that in 24 hours, and so can anybody else. The right. question is, do you want to do it? And you can make money from that. You're yeah. teaching people what you know. You know How simple is that? You just got to get off your butt, get <laughs> up, and turn it into some type of content. And how you sell it is going to be totally up to you, but the opportunity is there. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree completely. I mean, even podcasting, you know, this is something that, you know, I mean, this is a computer I already owned. I bought a microphone, right? Yeah. And I pay for hosting, you know. There's a monthly cost associated with, with the hosting. Okay, that's fine. How much is it? Yeah. How much is it? Uh, I'm paying 20 bucks for Enlibsyn right now. $20? $20 a month? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's terrible. Isn't it? Like, it's horrible. You pay $8 yeah. a year for a domain name and $20 a month for hosting, but yeah. we'll go to Starbucks and drop $180 <laughs> on a latte. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. And I have I have another podcast, a film podcast, and we spend like, you know, a little less than that because we only do once every other week and it's just for fun, you know, but who knows what where it will lead, right? I mean, maybe nowhere, who cares? But yeah, I mean it, it's it's amazing. You know, to do this 20, 30 years ago, you would need a studio, you need access to a radio station or something. <laughs> it's just insane costs, right? It, it it's wild. Right? You couldn't do yep. it because of the gatekeepers and you couldn't do it because of the cost. Right. And and now we have neither. And now we have we have them still, but the the barriers, yeah. you know, a thousand percent lower than they used to be. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's still a cost. Yeah, that's true. And there's some some gatekeeping, but yeah, absolutely. So it's been, yeah, it's great. So I like the I like taking advantage of that, you know, and seeing what we can do. Um, and you know, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Um, you know, we didn't talk about your other your podcast. So I just want to give it a big plug. You uh, you co-host the Sell More Books podcast. It comes out every Wednesday, right? Yeah. We're filming here in a couple hours today. Sellmorebookshow.com. We do a 35 to 40 minute fast paced show about what's the latest going on in self-publishing and book tools and things like that for people who don't have an hour and a half to invest in a longer show. Um, and we are just kind of, we drill down to the top five news items, we give you the tips, and we get you on your way, and hopefully give you, pick up one thing out of the show every week where you're like, wow, I never heard of that thing, or I never tried that, or, you know, something yeah. like that. That's what we do. Yeah, and every week I do have at least one of those moments where I'm like, I gotta 
check the show notes, get the link for that because I had never heard of that. So yeah, it's great. So if you, um, if you have liked the listening to Jim today and you want to hear more of him, <laughs> listen to his podcast, sell more book show, grab his book, go direct. It's a good book. Um, and, uh, you know, you can't beat the price if you, if you right. just want to give away your email address or throw some money in the, in the jar. Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Thanks a lot for doing this, Jim. I appreciate it. Eric, it's my uh, pleasure to be here anytime. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Head on over to GoDirectBook.com if you'd like to grab a copy and pay what you want for it. And uh, I'd love to uh, have your review of it. Great. And I'll put a link in the show notes as well at ericmarshall.net slash wet. And you can find all that stuff there. Excellent, excellent. Cool. Great. Thanks. <laughs> You've been listening to The Wet Podcast, writing education and technology with your host, Eric Marshall. Uh, the guest today was Jim Kukal, and this was episode number six. Thanks a lot for listening. You can see the show notes at ericmarshall.net slash wet. That's Eric with a K, Marshall with two L's, dot net slash wet. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>